0: submitted for your approval submitted for your approval another dimension so light to your approval another dimension so light for your shadow another dimension so light for your, another dimension. Light for your shadow another dance sure. self so light your shadow zone. submitted for your approval the Twilight Zone submitted for your
1: You're listening to a podcast not only of sound, but also of mind. It's Time to Rewind is a podcast that takes a journey into a wondrous land of time loops whose boundaries are that of imagination. I'm your host, Bubbleweed, and each episode, my guest and I explore these time loops one loop at a time. This stop is Trapped in the Twilight Zone, and this is the eighth stop at 2020's Season 2, Episode 9, Try, Try. Starting at 26 minutes and 33 seconds with a morning montage and ending at 26 minutes and 41 seconds with Mark asking if the mask's name is John Thompson. Here with me once again is Niall McGowan from Batman. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm,
0: I'm fine. It's just every time you start the intro, I keep thinking you're going to go into song. I think <laughs> you're going to do like a hello, 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 my baby. Hello. My... <laughs> I know, I, I figured... Is there a musical... Uh, is there a
1: time loop musical?
0: That feels like a thing someone should have done at some point, where it's like the same song keeps popping up every
1: couple of minutes. Or something. Well, I mean, they, they did turn Groundhog Day into a Broadway musical.
0: Oh, okay. Did, did they do that? Where it was like, oh yeah, every 15 minutes I Got You, Babe, once again <laughs> plays. And it's the same exact dance. And again, <laughs> the, the audience is just walking out in droves.
1: I, I wouldn't know, because I, I didn't quite go... I, that far into research to, to seek out footage of, of the Groundhog Day musical. I just know that it exists.
0: Uh, it's hard to imagine someone doing... Unless they were just like their version of Phil Connors was completely different, but like Bill Murray with the you know the deadpan delivery and musical don't seem like they would blend. Yeah, he could surprise you, I guess. Anyway, he was a Little Shop of Horrors, so...
1: Yeah, maybe they go with more of the, like the Greek chorus.
0: Yeah, yeah. But, well... Alright, so I was waiting, what, for, waiting for the try try musical.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so let's go ahead and, and jump into this loop because, you know, this this is a a pretty short loop. It's it's really we just get him saying, No, this guy's name is Bob um John Thompson. Uh, yeah. Make sure I get the name right. And one thing that I noticed in the previous montage is that he dresses slightly differently in each loop. Oh, and so here it's uh, it's mostly the same because he's he's wearing his frameless glasses and he's wearing his flannel in his jacket so pretty much mm. the same outfit that he's wearing throughout the the majority of the the time loop here
0: yeah it is curious that he's, he does make that little effort for himself cuz you think at this point like when you're you know the, the indication is he's he's done it, you know a couple hundred goes of this already you think at that point, like, the idea of clothing and outfits would just be, like, nothing to you. <laughs> like, you would just stop caring about it. But, like, it's the same thing every day. Just, yeah, the same clothes. They're going, they're going to be clean every time. What does not matter, you know?
1: Yeah, and, you know, the, this is, you know, starting one of the these shorter sections of the montage, and they, you know, they just get shorter from here on out. You know, the, this one, it, we start with the the more I call it the morning montage. And, hmm. um, I, you know, I talked a little bit about what's in it in, in the previous montage section, but like, what did, what did you think about that? That little morning montage? Like it, it, what, you know, do you feel like they're trying to pull any sort of symbolism or just like a mood out of that stuff?
0: What the, um, the little, like the shot of the sky and the, the coffee percolator and all yeah. that business yeah um the one thing that really struck me about it was that uh i wonder because they use a they use the sound of a like a tape rewinding yeah and i was kind of it's one of those things like you know some people joke about now saying that like there's a generation of people who are like saving word documents and they don't know what that floppy disk symbol means <laughs> and we're getting up when they were so far into digital technology it you wonder if younger viewers would watch that and be like what is that sound like would they the, 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 they'll know they know the concept of rewinding something because it's like, but you can do it digitally. It doesn't go like every time. Uh, that was the one part of that that really struck me. Like, yeah, I wonder so if this it's, is like, it's, it seems like it's bordering on completely obsolete in terms of a sound effect now because when's the last time someone actually had to rewind a tape? Like then, ever.
1: Now they need <laughs> you know, a shot of somebody pressing Control z on a keyboard.
0: Yeah. Just have the sound effect of tsk tsk, tsk, and there you go oh that th- did like it as a, as a as a thing um it was a little weird weird that took the the opening sign too because the, I think it was just a like a Pavlovian response of seeing the coffee percolator and then seeing that white and green sign. I thought it was like, is it a Starbucks they're going into it was like no, that's <laughs> the museum opening sign, and presumably yeah. the coffee is either his back home or hers, so uh. But yeah, yeah, I mean it, it it did what it was meant to do, you know, it conveyed the information correctly enough to me, but um
1: Yeah, which we don't we don't see either of them drinking coffee at all.
0: No, no. If they do with like um in order to impress someone. This guy, like the concept of wealth, would mean nothing to him. You think he'd be splashing out on everything for her, buy her coffee, buy her friggin' whatever she wants? He's <laughs> like, well, you know, I'm not losing the money. Although I suppose he does try that whole thing of like, I will give you a thousand dollars, you know, yeah. on the bets and stuff. So yeah, because it doesn't matter to him. He, the, the concept of money is just completely obsolete now.
1: Yeah, that's like the same same move that Bill Murray pulls on the uh, piano teacher. Yeah. Although, <laughs> so. Uh,
0: this gets in though, because now he begins this joke and i wonder if he's had to do this i think the implication is that he would have had to do this for every single joke that he's told like it it, you know there must be so unsynced uh, Mm -hmm. like you know they're just not not suited to each other that he's like yeah like nearly everything i've ever said to you i've had to try several times and now i'm just getting you know this is an example of one of them where this you know it's not even a good joke like it's just a pretty like meh Kind of, you know, you should just accept the loss. Like, why does this? Why does it have to land for you? Like this? Oh, the indigenous mask has a really bland name. That's the joke. And then, yeah. be, if, it, if it doesn't work, then just leave it, man. Because <laughs> there are other jokes, there other lines you can pull. <laughs> but he's like, no, every single one of them has to has to bowl her over. At least get a titter out of her, yeah, <laughs> so I can it, feel it, like I'm on the it. winning track.
1: This has to be, you know, a perfect date so that way yeah. I can make her fall in love with me in over the course of like eight to 16 hours.
0: Yeah. Although that's the like the. Because, um, uh, you know, the more you look at it, the more you start to think like, well, why? Like, you know, why? Do, why? Particularly this joke. Like, why? Why are they emphasizing this one? And. uh I, don't know, I was just wondering things of like, because he never considers why she's not laughing at the joke. Mm. He never questions like, maybe it's not her humor. Maybe I should try a different approach. It's all like I'm going to try the same joke, slight variations of it, in order to get her to kind of fall into my sense of humor rather than me altering. Like he could come in and try. Like didn't like the the bland name attached to thing. What if this guy's name is like? Cornelius Von Scuttlebutt, you know, <laughs> try an actual funny name and like, Oh, yeah. she liked that one. That that's, that's her sense of humor. It seems more, he's like, no, I, I enjoy glib, you know, dry witticisms and I'm going to see if I can get it, keep this going long enough until eventually she finds one that she'll slightly laugh at to suit my sense of humor.
1: You know, there, there's not a whole lot to go on in, in this loop, but I was able to do, you know, my, my two minutes of Google research So I looked up if there was anybody famous named John Thompson. Mm. And so uh, there's John Robert Thompson Jr., and that's Thompson with a P. Uh, Mm. He was an American college basketball coach for the Georgetown Hoyas men's men's team. And he became the first African-American head coach to win a major collegiate college championship in basketball when he led the Hoyas to the NCAA Division I National Championship in
0: 1984. Ah. And then, we created one of her reactions, like, do you mean John Thompson, the <laughs> guy who – are you making a joke about him? Like, yes, that was my reference, of course.
1: And then I also found that John Patrick Thompson, without a P, is an English comedian, narrator, and actor, and he was best known for his roles in The Fast Show, Men Behaving Badly, Cold Feet, twenty four hour party people, the Brothers Grimsby's, the Brothers yeah. Grimsby and Coronation Street.
0: Yeah, I, I do know that. Yeah, that, that he is very very famous over here. John, that that John Thompson, um, the infamous, the uh, you know, fast show was his main one. Uh, when I was growing up, at least, he used to do. It was a sketch show, so they had like a, a stock set of characters they played every time, and he was always the host of uh, a music show called Jazz Club. And he'd always turn to the camera to say, like, you know, he'd, he'd be addressing one camera, and then he'd quickly turn to the other one. So he'd go like, hello, and welcome to Jazz Club. Then turn to the camera and go, nice. And then straight back to the other camera to continue. And he'd just do it throughout the entire thing. But the, the little turns he would, you know, the turn phrases he would use every time would just you know, become more and more weird and erratic as the sketch went <laughs> on and stuff. But uh, he was also, uh, I was kind of surprised because I was like, oh, yeah, John Thompson, he's so famous over here. I was like, did he ever try Hollywood? Uh, And weirdly enough, he is in one Hollywood film, uh, and it is *The Man Who Knew Too Little*, which of course stars Bill Murray. So (laughs) there you go. (laughs) That's a weird little bit of a tie in there. So it's like, you know, maybe uh, these time loops—they all the the loops are getting tighter and tighter every
1: time. Yeah, he's he's somebody that I I've never heard of, uh, although I would. I actually, for a, a little while, I started a podcast uh, called um, Sketched Out on TV. And, mm. and I think it's funny because this was before I even heard of the, the Movies by Minutes community because I did something somewhat similar where each episode I would look at a, a different sketch comedy TV series. And then we would mm. pick out one sketch from the course of the entire series and then talk about Ooh, just that one the entire sketch.
0: series, each episode. Oh, that's like, that's a lot. That's a lot of work.
1: So we, we would just talk about one sketch, and then we'd also, you know, have some discussion over the series as a whole. At least I would pick out, you know, a handful of episodes to watch, because some of them, and then we would take turns. I think we did Kids in the Hall, uh, the Amy Schumer Show, Key and Peele. Mm. I did the Muppet Show.
0: I only found out recently that Kelsey Grammer did a sketch show like 15 years ago, like just after Frasier ended. Huh. And it was one of those ones where are like, oh, OK, that's that's weird. And then looking at it, it's like, oh, yeah, it's got like, well, like Caitlin Olsen from It's Always Sunny, isn't it? Like <laughs> she was just one of the other players in it. And a very famous English comedian called Lee Mack is in it. And It was one of those ones of like, oh, yeah, fail. Like they did one season and it completely bombed. But it's just one of those things that's like, how did I never? I'm such a massive fan of Frazier. And like, Paul F. Tompkins was in it. And he was like, how is no one talking about the fact that Kelsey Grammer did a goddamn sketch show? But like, it's just, it's one of these things like, oh, that's just, that's been thrown into the, the you know, the black hole of the internet. So it's just like, no, no one talks about it anymore.
1: Yeah, I was somebody, like, as a kid, I, I gravitated towards all those sketch shows and, and I watched a ton of those like, one-season sketch shows that failed. Like, um, The Edge was one that uh, had Jennifer Aniston as, as one of the cast Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah as... It was not
0: like at the end of every episode they died or something. It was always, like, a, yeah. a twist. Yeah. I think I remember – I never – it was too young to watch it at the time, but I do remember, like, the, the legend of The Edge because it was like, oh, it's Jennifer – I think there was something like Jennifer Aniston turned down – being on sign live or something. So she could be on the edge. Like she's so convinced it was going to be a hit and stuff.
1: And they, they, uh, they use like Bill Plimpton's animation for the interstitials too. Mm. And that like the Ben Stiller show, I, I, I have that on DVD and I watched that whenever it first came out too. Mm. I've seen, you know, quite a few of those. Um
0: Yeah. It's a thing. It's a really out of vogue now, though. the 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 sketch show, the concept of a sketch show, it's bound to make a comeback eventually. But we're just living in a time where it's like it just doesn't happen anymore. Like, like twenty years back in the UK, it was inundated with the things. They were everywhere, all the time. (laughs) But now it's like, nah, nobody's making them uh, currently. But you know, we just have to wait it out. Ten years from now, we'll be probably back in, you know, a plethora plethora sketch shows coming at you every which way.
1: Yeah, I think you know the the most recent ones that I can think of are, is like you know the two of the ones that I mentioned, Keith and Peele and Amy Schumer, but I, I think those have probably been off the air for several for many years now.
0: Yeah, was Jordan Peele the busy man these days, <laughs> doing a lot of other stuff. So.
1: Going back to the classic Twilight Zone episode, um, the the next one I have and and it was you know something that that we kind of referenced in the last episode is uh, time enough at last
0: yeah and, yeah
1: and this is one of the ones where i it's like i get um i get the title mixed up it's like there's time enough at last somewhere in time or like some kind of stopwatch and there's nick of time
0: and then there's a, at last there is now time uh, <laughs> time there is at last that's another one <laughs>
1: But I think this is one of the most famous Twilight Zone episodes. The, this is the guy with the the super thick glasses mm. that just loves reading, and he works at a bank, and he gets in trouble because all he does is just wants to talk about Dickens and read while he's at work, and he, you know, gets in trouble for it. And then like the next day, and he has like one of those, you know, comedic overbearing wives. That's. Uh, mm. That's like, why are you always reading? You know, we need to go out and, you know, have a dinner date and you need to do this now. And she, like, rips up his, his one of his books that he was, like, trying to sneak with him. Mm-hmm. And then the next day at work, he, he goes into the, down into the bank vault in order to read. And then lose tracks, loses track of time and an H-bomb goes off. And then he comes out and the entire city is just completely destroyed nobody's around all the buildings are leveled and he like gets to the point where he all like he finds a gun from a sporting goods store and is about to commit suicide until he sees the the rubble of the public library and he's like oh books i'm saved basically Mm. (laughs) I, i have enough reading for years and then he like stacks up all his all these books You know, planning. Let's hope there's
0: enough food that hasn't been completely irradiated, but, uh. Oh yeah. Well,
1: (laughs) well, before that, he does find the remains of a grocery store that has a bunch of canned and boxed food. And he's like, I've got Mm. enough food to last me for years, but it's the loneliness that's going to do me in. And then as soon as he like goes to pick up the book to read it, then his glasses fall off his face and completely shatter. And then he has, you know, the line. It's like, it's not fair. It's not Mm. fair. Yeah. In general, I think that the ending of this episode is a lot better than the rest of it.
0: Yeah, it's one of those ones, like, you can tell that was thought up as, like, a two-line pitch for a show, and they're like, you gotta get 45 minutes out of that now, <laughs> where, as like you could have told that story in 10 minutes, basically, like, a, you know, as a, as a very short, short movie, but, like, no, no, you gotta, this has to be an episode, you know, we gotta... We ha- we have there is enough time now <laughs> to fill. We got another goddamn hour. This thing to fill.
1: Yeah, you know, I think that the the actor that plays him, uh, which you know, he's not familiar. I'm not familiar with him. And, and I don't
0: oh, that was, was we we talked about that episode on Batman. Cause that's Burgess Meredith. That's oh um, yeah. That's the yeah. guy. Of course, you know, you know Mickey from Rocky, etc. But of course, the Penguin yeah, from the, penguin. the 1960s. Batman TV show and yeah, it's actually it's weird that um a lot of things like when you're going through things minute by minute and you go researching into like individual shots and stuff. I'm pretty certain because it's been a long time since we talked about the ending of Batman '89, but I'm pretty sure it's that episode where um there's a very like kind of beautifully done shot. I think it's him going into the library where it's like it's filmed from up above at a kind of slight angle, and it's this big, you know, a shaft of light, and it's him standing very, like, smallly with this big looming shadow ahead of him and stuff as he walks in. And uh, Tim Burton flat-out swipes that for the end of 89, where you know, Joker's taking Vicki Bale up the steps of the cathedral, and Batman opens these two big doors and walks in, and it's like, pretty much an identical <laughs> shot, where <laughs> Burton's been like, yep, yeah, that's what, you know, he grew up in the Twilight Zone, he's like, I always remember that shot. That's where that shot is from. So, uh, and of course, it was just weird enough that like, oh, it's a movie with the Joker. But then, the person who was originally the figure of that shot was, in fact, to most people's minds, even though it's been like sixty years, people still remember the Burgess Meredith uh, Penguin as kind of almost like the default version of the character. He's so iconic mm-hmm. at it. I do like the idea of like that would be the the Adam West Batman show is actually ten years after that Twilight Zone episode where he just managed to craft a monocle out of his old glasses. (laughs) And then he eventually found another town where people weren't killed by the bomb, but it's like the radiation has driven everyone just friggin' crazy. (laughs) (laughs) So you got like a guy who seems to just live as a clown for some reason, and some asshole who's obsessed with riddles. And it's like everyone's just walking around, like Batman's walking around broad daylight, as if that's a normal thing to do (laughs) and stuff. He's just like yeah, that was like the Batman TV show was actually a sequel to uh, <laughs> the <laughs> British Meredith Twilight Zone.
1: Yeah, the the other thing that I I didn't as much care for with that episode is you know I I feel like a lot of a lot of times in the Twilight Zone it's like you want the bad things to happen to bad people, but you never really get the impression that his character is a bad person. He's just somebody that loves books and and it's like this scene. It's almost like a lot more tragic um, in that way to where mm. this bad thing happens to a character that they are almost rooting for.
0: Yeah, you almost kinda of wonder like what the, the message of it was though. So like it's a guy, like he just he's clearly not he's not happy with his marriage, he's not happy with like, you know, all he wants to do is sort of a bit of privacy and time to read to himself. And you're like, "Oh, well, everyone is entitled to that. If he's not happy, you should go off and try to get that sorted. Whereas at the end of it, it's like, well, the implication was that, like, no, he should have been concentrated on his work and going out and meeting people and having, a, you know, making sure that he was out and, uh, you know, doing things he didn't want to do.
1: Yeah, so that way he could have died with the rest of them. Yeah. I was just like, <laughs> oh, is that the message? <laughs> okay. that's
0: That's a weird one, but... Uh, I think I would, nowadays I would have been shifted around to be like, no, just let the guy, if he wants to read, give him, give him time to freaking read. Like maybe find people with similar interests that he can talk about the, the damn books to at least. But
1: Yeah. Give him, you know, two years of quarantine where he has to stay at home and away from everybody. So he has yeah. time to read. <laughs> All right. But uh, I think that does it for this episode. Why don't you go ahead and remind everybody where they can find you online.
0: Uh, well, yeah, uh, you can find me and uh, the show I host, uh, Bat Minutes, uh, just everywhere online. Um, you get it on Twitter, just as under Bat Minutes, under Instagram as The Bat Minutes. Uh, yeah, we're everywhere. You'll find the show under all your good uh, podcatchers. And, of course, Apple Podcasts is on there as well. And, yeah, just uh, hop on over anytime.
1: All right, and as always, I'm Bubble Wheat, and you can find me at flightstightsandmovienights.com. You can find me on Twitter at BubbaWheat, and You can find this show, It's Time to Rewind, on Anchor.fm as well as anywhere else where you listen to podcasts. I also have a Facebook group, It's Time to Rewind, a time loop group where you can join and have uh, all sorts of discussions about time loops in general. And until next time, I will still be right here, trapped in the Twilight Zone.
0: submitted for your approval. submitted for your approval another dimension. So light for your approval another dimension. So light for your shadow another dimension. So light for your shadow another dance <laughs> self. So light for your shadow ...another twilight Milan. zone. submitted for your approval the Twilight Zone. submitted for your approval
1: the Twilight Zone. <laughs> what do you think this guy's name is? Uh, John Thompson?